Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is yet another edition of East Coast Bias right here on the Ring of Gambling Show. Each and every week, you could see our lovely faces on FanDuel TV. We got Raheem Palmer, Joe House, John Jastrzemski, and House and I, I think, are going for the casual beach vibe because our hair is a hot mess. House, no hat. JJ, no comb, no hat. So, Raheem, House and I have adopted beach mode week. I mean, that's what it boils down to here. It's the day after 4th of July. That's the way the cookie crumbles. House, I dig it, baby. We uh, we coordinated well. Let it lay. Let it play, JJ. This is the time of year when we're looking for, you know, a little decompression because it's the rev up is right around the corner. You know, I'm counting the days. I saw the training camp calendars for the NFL teams. I was counting them down for my C words because I want to get excited. We're less than, than than 21 days from NFL training camp, so we, we got to let it fly, Dream. You understand where J- me and JJ are coming from. I totally understand where you guys are coming from, but I'm grimy season. I'm ready to work. I got the hoodie on. Yeah, I, We got AC on, but, I mean, it's, it's hoodie every day for me because in a couple of weeks, I'm going to just get real ugly. I'm going to have sweatpants on and just be focusing on NFL training camp and NFL preseason. And I look forward to dialing into that NFL season. And let's just say that my Sunday night was spent watching that hideous uh, Johnny Depp daughter weekend show. I don't know why I watched five episodes and wasted five hours of my life. But as I was watching that terrible TV show, I managed to get some NFL futures work in. So the seeds are planted. We're in the lab. We'll have a lot of time to dissect what we're thinking between now and then. But boys, we're coming off the heels of the beginning of NBA free agency. And honestly, House, for the most part here, a whole lot of status quo for a lot of these particular teams. You know, if you were wondering about Draymond Green finding a new home, if you were wondering about Austin Reeves finding a new home, you didn't get that. All right, Miami goes and loses a couple of pieces. They lose Gabe Vincent to the Lakers. They go and lose Struess. But for the most part, when you think about the complexion of the league and you think about the way the league looks, not a whole lot happened between now and then that really makes you go, wow, that moved the needle. A lot of status quo for the most part, dude. Yeah, the the Milwaukee Bucks brought back both of their most important pieces in uh, your boy Chris Middleton and uh, obviously Lopez. The interesting thing we were in our own little uh, thread sort of trying to assess how, how these impacts are playing out. It looks to me like some middle-class teams and some bottom teams tried to improve their stead, tried to improve their uh, competitive uh, tenor in the upcoming season. For sure, Houston, you know, is trying to put something in place. Um, it will be a fa- fantastic experiment. I think it's going to be enjoyable to watch a combination of FVV and Dylan Brooks and Dylan Brooks is on his rehabilitation era, right? He wants, he wants to demonstrate to everybody that he deserves that, that 20 million bucks and Houston's made him the adult in the room. Is he going to be the extension of Eme? Maybe so. If Eme needs a tough guy in the locker room, why can't uh, Dylan Brooks be that guy? FVV can be good cop. Dylan Brooks can be bad cop. I was really impressed with Indiana. I think that what they did um, in, in terms of now they they slightly overpaid for Max Struess, but they're looking like they're making a run. They, they're building assets so that they have a a uh, an option this season to 
maybe make that that Miles Turner trade that we've been talking about for three years now. Or if they find themselves in that sort of Eastern Conference bulge and they they catch some wins early because uh, Tyrese Halliburton's in good health and and you know there's some some good chemistry going on with him and 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 Matherin, maybe that's something that 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 works for them. Um, but on balance, the Lakers. I think everybody's you know unanimous about this. It's the consensus they won because their role players. Uh, got better and they kept the role players that were important to them to their success I- I- in the playoffs. So that's that's kind of how I'm sizing it up. Dream, what what caught your eye? I think the biggest thing that caught my eye was the Houston Rockets. I, I thought it was like really interesting that they spent as much money as they did, and I'm not sure that they truly got better. I mean, like when you look at Dylan Brooks, I think Dylan Brooks he's providing all the great things that you want from a wing on the defensive end of the floor. He provides that intensity. He is as close to a lockdown defender as you're going to get in the modern NBA. But this is a guy whose offense has completely fallen off a cliff last year. I think he just shot 23% from behind the arc in the postseason last year. They also signed Fred Van Vliet. And a lot of people like Fred Van Vliet. I think he's going to be the adult in the room. But when I look at Fred Van Vliet, he's an undersized guard. He's a guy who's had some bad knees recently. He's highly dependent on his three-point shot falling. He can't finish at the rim. Those of you who watched the Toronto Raptors against the Boston Celtics, he struggled with a lot of length. So when I look at this Houston Rockets team, I see a team who I think they were 29th in defensive rating last year. I think they're going to improve on the defensive end of the floor, but I'm not sure this team still has a top 20 offense. Like, I think I have to give Ime Udoka the benefit of the doubt that he's going to install a good defense in there, but I don't really like them from an offensive standpoint, but we'll see what happens with them. I think the other interesting thing that we saw is that you mentioned the Indiana Pacers. They signed Bruce Brown. Obviously, I think that's going to make them a lot better, give them another veteran presence. I also like the fact that a lot of these teams, they extended guys on the rookie contracts. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, he got $260 million. You look at Anthony Edwards, he signed that extension. You look at Desmond Bain, he signed that extension. So it was nice to see a lot of guys get paid. Well, they get rewarded, and Indiana also gets my buddy Obi Toppin, who couldn't get off the bench for Tom Thibodeau, can't hit an outside shot, can't play any defense, but he is super athletic, and he's going to have a lot more opportunities to go and score for the Indiana Pacers. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the Rockets, Raheem. Listen, Udoka maybe is going to go and get him a couple extra wins. Van Fleet is a winning player, but he's not the guy he was when they won a championship a couple of years ago. I thought that was an overpay. And how about our guy Drake getting after Fred Van Fleet, basically saying, <laughs> go enjoy playing in Japan or China, wherever he ended up staying. I don't even know. I can't keep track on Instagram. Uh, but I'm with you, House. If I'm looking for a team that I, I don't even want to say open my eyes because they opened my eyes last year with the way they played in the postseason. They competed their tails off against the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. But for the Lakers to go Raheem and basically bring everybody back, they didn't lose anybody of significance at all. They go and keep Austin Reeves. They surprisingly ended up keeping D'Angelo Russell. And they go and add a guy like Gabe Vincent, who we saw play really good, high-quality minutes for the Miami Heat. That was one that kind of caught my eyes where I know from a future standpoint, you're betting on the health of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, the role players could be terrific. They could fit exactly what you want them to do. If LeBron or AD go down, 
Well, you could say Betty buy to your Laker future ticket. It's really as simple as that. But I do think they have a team that if those guys are right going into the postseason, you can have some fun with the idea that maybe they could go on a deep playoff run and maybe challenge for a championship. So that is a team I was thinking immediately I will look to invest in. Good number, good price. Betting on health, yes, but really like what I saw from the Lakers. I'm a little torn. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, And you mentioned the reasons why, obviously, you're betting on the health of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But the one thing I will say is that we've seen guys like Gabe Vincent who come out of the Heat culture. Look at a guy like Josh Richardson. He was never the same after he left the Miami Heat culture. So I need to see what Gabe Vincent is going to deliver on this Lakers team. I look at a guy like Rory Hachimori. I know House fills me on this, but this is a guy who (laughs) on the postseason, he made every single three. He was not that guy in Washington. So I'm not sure he, I think he just played above his head. So I need to see another season of what Rory can bring to the table before I anoint this Lakers team. Now, the one thing I will say is that Austin Reeves, he's legit. Like, absolutely legit. But everything else, I'm not sure. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with Dream on this uh, as it relates to the Lakers. Now, I do like the Lakers to win the Western Conference. I think you can get that at plus 850. I'm not on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. That's sitting there at, at 15 to 1. And the reason is because, to me, it feels like... Um, you know that that you you you're just that's not enough uh payoff for the for the injury risk. I do want to clarify. I got my wings my wings playing in the finals that caught the bag. I said Struce to Indiana. I meant Bruce Brown. Obviously, I know Bruce Brown to Indiana was the play and caught my eye. Max Struce is in Cleveland, which actually I think is is a decent. Um, that's a good fit for them. For Cleveland. No, I like they, that. I they like that. They a little, but they need. You know what though? That's what you got to do in free agency. That's the way it works. Like, you're a team like Cleveland. You needed shooting. It was so obvious and apparent watching that first-round series against the New York Knicks that their role players just couldn't hit an outside shot. Struce should have good looks when you got Donovan Mitchell, when you have Darius Garland, and even those bigs, he should be able to capitalize. I got to mention this. I love the Knicks signing DiVincenzo. That is a – I mean, the Knicks are basically trying to recreate Villanova University – so it's Brunson, it's Josh Hart, it's DiVincenzo. Uh, you wonder if Jay Wright is going to get off the beach in Ocean City, New Jersey, and maybe... Now, I don't want to fire Tibbs. I like Tibbs. I think he's done a fabulous job with the Knicks two of the last three years. But you know if they go into a cold spell, and if there are coaching rumors, Jay Wright's going to be the first name mentioned because of all those Villanova connections. But Raheem, you go and get Obi Toppin out of a rotation who really wasn't giving the Knicks a whole lot. And I get a two-way player who can hit the outside shot, who's got chemistry and a rapport with those other Villanova guys. Look, I didn't think the Knicks are going to be big fish hunting this offseason, but Cleveland and the Knicks, to me, go and get guys that kind of fit their teams to a T. Yeah, I, I really like that move as well. I, I thought that was huge. I mean, like you said it, they lack shooting. Like, And it, it's just like, other than like Evan Fournier, they just didn't have a lot of shooting. And Fournier was out of the rotation for much of the year. On the other end, I really like the fact that Obi Toppin has finally gotten free from the reins of Tom Thibodeau because we all know Tom Thibodeau doesn't like to play young guys. So I'm I'm happy for him and excited that he gets a chance somewhere else where he can actually probably get some minutes. Yeah, I think he's going to be terrific um, in Cleveland. He'll definitely get run. I just want to temper 
the DiVincenzo enthusiasm just a little bit. I do agree that the idea of, of that chemistry makes so much sense, and that should be a, a boost to them. But I want to remind you, he was unplayable against the Lakers. He he was a, a net minus, a net negative. They, they couldn't play him. He couldn't be on the floor. Now, he's in the Eastern Conference now. He doesn't have to play against the Lakers. But uh, he, he ran out of gas. I don't know what the explanation was, but he had a, a number of bad touches. As a, as a guy that had some speculation, uh, you know, some, 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 some prop player props and a little bit of a speculative market on Golden State in that Lakers series, I uh, had my teeth like, you know, full, full gnashed that mode every time DiVincenzo came on the court. But the, the Warriors didn't really have a choice because they couldn't play Jordan Poole. My new guy, Jordan Poole. Yeah, I'm going to get you to Jordan Poole jersey. We'll have to set that up. I mean, Wizards, if you're listening, take care of your boy. He needs uh, he needs courtside seats to at every game next how, year. How, how are you feeling about the Kyle Kuzma signing? Because between Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, they're going to be jacking up all the shots that they want. I'm literally here for it. I think it's it's a, it's wonderful. I'm glad that Kuz got his bag as as the free agency period kind of arrived and you were sizing up how players might move around. I thought it was very reasonable and feasible, especially once the Wiz hit the reset button with Beal, that they would re-sign Kuz. Kuz, Kuz could get the most money uh, here in Washington, and there's no reason what, whatsoever that they can't turn him into an asset. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, came up with this nice phraseology, this way of thinking about the free agent market these days where guys could resign and then move on sometime later and calling it the transfer portal in the NBA. I think that's exactly what, what Washington has done with Kuz. It'll be fun to watch him with Poole. And, and Kuz made a really good impression on the community and was an easy player to root for. He made, you know, big shots a couple times. You know, he, he, he wasn't afraid of the ball in the fourth quarter. So there is goodwill for Kuz. Here in DC, and if he, he moves on at, at trade deadline, that'll be fine. I'm I'm glad for him that that he caught the bag and he he deserved it the way he played last year. Boys, when we return, it seems like two big fish remain. One of them, it's a little bit more complicated, I guess, than the other. But we're trying to figure out. All right, Dame Lillard, James Harden, where they play basketball next year? Uh, we'll discuss right after this. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. So, I guess the two big names that are remaining that we're trying to figure out, all right, where are they going? What's the deal? 
What's the situation? It's Dame Lillard and it's James Harden. Dame Lillard finally wants out of Portland. It took forever. I, I feel like this has been in the works house for the last couple of years, but now the wheels are in motion. It's complicated. We know Miami wants him. We know he probably wants to go to Miami. It's a matter of how are they going to make that work? Is it a third team involved? Is it Brooklyn taking on Tyler Hero? Miami not having the assets? Uh, are you at a point with Lillard where it's a question of when, not if, he finds his way to South Beach? I'm not there yet. And I'm not there yet because it's, um, you know, M- Miami's not really in a position to offer up assets really across the board that I think are are attractive. I mean, I think the gave Vincent and Max Struess, each of those guys moving on the way that they did in advance, that's depleting assets that other teams might find uh, attractive. Now I know that, you know, for, for the purposes uh, of Miami, the timing for the, for Struess and, and, and Vincent um, was on its own uh, timeline. And for sure, like Dame's public announcement came out after those dudes had already moved. But, you know, Miami doesn't have a ton of assets. It's been, you know, sort of widely reported what, what they have to put out there. It's basically Tyler Hero and, 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 and Duncan Robinson and, you know, draft pick stuff, which isn't up to, to, the, to the Dame standard. And really what we're talking about is the Gobert standard because Minnesota ruined the trade market in the NBA for the next half decade. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, this is now I'm, I'm officially like uh, in over my head when it comes to trying to speculate, you know, what, what number of teams might combine to produce uh, desirable packages. The problem Miami has is they just don't have uh, attractive enough assets for Portland. And I don't know what, what Portland, you know, what is, what mode are they going to be in? Because they have a decent young nucleus. They re-signed Jeremy Grant, which I think was exclusively for the purpose. It is like on the face of it, the, the, you know, most egregious contract that's out there, a five-year, $160 million contract. But I think that's just them protecting an asset to then be able to, to flip it at some point, as opposed to losing the asset altogether and losing that optionality. I mean, the 30 million bucks a year, 32 million bucks a year, that's about the Jeremy Grant kind of level. I don't know why there's a fifth year to that deal, but what are they doing? You know, Anthony Simon, Shade and Sharp, um, you know, the, the, with the draft pick uh, with Scoot coming into the picture, what's the identity for Portland? What's their goal? Well, who do they want to be? And that will dictate, you know, what they take back. Is it ex- more, more young guys? Is it, is it picks? Where do they want to end up this year in the Western Conference? I don't know the answer to, to any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, because of, of the lack of, of what Miami is able to bring to the table, it's, it's going to be complicated, it feels like, Dream. It's extremely complicated. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Damian Lillard right now. He's finally running from the grind. And it's one of those situations where he wants to go to a contender, but he only wants to go to Miami if you keep Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio, the only guys on not, if I went on that team, who's like, I would really only want Bam out of bio. There's no reason I would want Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero. So the Portland Trailblazers are really in a tough position where they have to take care of their superstar who has stayed loyal for his entire career. But at the same time, they got to get the best trade package. 
there's plenty of teams out there who are interested in Damian Lillard. So I just think it sets a bad precedent for where the league is right now, where guys can sign these mega extensions and then decide that they only want to go to one team. It's okay to want to play for a contender, but there's no way in the world, if I'm Portland, I'm only going to look at Miami because honestly, Bam Adebayo is the only piece that makes sense on their team. And the Heat aren't trading Bam Adebayo at all. 100%. It's a tough spot. And if I'm Portland, I'm right there with you, Raheem. Look, I'm getting the most I can in return. That's what it boils down to. Dame, I love you. I know you've been loyal. I know you've taken care of what you've needed to take care of. But I need to protect my asset, which is my franchise. And you right now are under contract. I have an opportunity to go and trade you. I do not want to get totally fleeced in the process. And it's funny. We saw Harden. Not to the same extent, because Dame Lillard has been first class in the way he has handled everything in Portland. You cannot say the same about James Horton and the way he handled things in Houston a couple of years ago, basically saying, oh, I only want to go to the Nets. I only want to go to the Nets. I'm going to eat myself out of Houston. I'm going to basically pound double cheeseburgers so they maybe trade me and I maybe get back in the game shape the minute I end up in Brooklyn. But here we are again, Raheem, and it looks like James Horton is going to end up playing somewhere else. So I think the Lillard move is going to take a long period of time. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a Dame Lillard trade till football season. Like, uh, you're going to be shocked if you wake up Labor Day weekend, Dame Lillard on his way to Miami, or maybe he agrees to go somewhere else. Not me, at least. Um, Horton, though, you think it's Clippers or Buzzstream? No, I don't. I actually think the Horton move is going to take longer than the Dame move because... I don't think Dame has the lack of, like, I, I don't think Dame is going to be unprofessional. Like, if the Portland Trailblazers say, look, we're going to trade you to Brooklyn and, and, and take a lot of those pieces back, or they trade him to the Clippers, Dame is going to cooperate. Now, James Harden on the other end, I, I just don't see it happening. And when you look at the track record of Daryl Morey, what has Daryl Morey done? He waited nearly uh, an, a half a season in order to trade Ben Simmons. He's going to get the best return. Daryl Morey is patient. He's going to wait this out, even if it means James Harden has to go into the season. And they announced this on Monday. They announced that James Harden might actually go into the season as a sixer. And one thing you have to remember, James Harden opted into his contract. So he can't do that whole, I'm going to wear a fat suit and eat myself out of Houston because this is a contract season for him. So he has to be on his best behavior if he wants another contract next year. So I expect Daryl Morey to get the, the best pieces that he can get for James Harden, even if it takes until the trade deadline. I totally agree with Dream on, on, on Harden. And Harden absolutely has every incentive to be ready to play at the beginning of the season. And then whenever the, the trade, you know, ha happens, you know, for him to go on and put on the performance, he, it has to at least be as good as Kyrie, Kyrie's audition that landed him in Dallas with a deal that nobody else uh, was offering him. That's that's Harden's Amazing best, how best he was hope. able to pull that off, House. God bless. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that basically did everything to sabotage himself over the last three years and still gets that crazy money. Good for him. It only it only takes one team, JJ. Um, but I think as far as, as Dame goes, you know, I, I think Portland would be fine with getting trading, you know, doing a heads up deal with wh whoever can produce the best package back to them, whether it's Oklahoma city, whether it's new Orleans, whether it's Utah, whether it's your New York Knicks, and then let Dame get to Miami on that team's dime. Let, let that team, 
figure out how to get Dame to where he he wants to go. But you know, I, the 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 teams that have you know the combination of picks and young talent that are out there, it's not a there aren't a lot of ton, not a ton of options. So part of the thing you have to answer in the first place if you're trying to anticipate what Portland's going to do is like who does Portland want to be? What's their goal? What timeline? Are they on for for building this now? You know, Sharp, Scoot, and and Simon. Simon's has been in in trade rumors for a while. Uh, Nurkic is obviously a movable piece, but who who is Portland uh, going to be? That that I think then then you can start to refine. All right, then then here are the legit contenders for Dame services, and then you know him getting to a contender, possibly getting to Miami. That's a next chapter altogether. But it's going to be really interesting to see. Come, you know, end of September, early October, what the James Harden video stuff looks like, JJ. Oh, for sure. So basically what this boils down to, as we sit here, 4th of July aftermath, this might be a while for both of these guys. So basically what you're telling me, and I get that sense, and we've seen it now, this might take some time, Raheem. So I I wouldn't be making any plans that Dame Lillard or James Harden are going to have this worked out within the next week. I, I think Dame will be out before before Hart. I, I think that's going to be relatively quick because I think Portland is going to want to go into the season with this wrapped up. I think the Sixers were waiting on the best deal, and James Harden is going to have to just cooperate and behave. I look forward to Philly specials now moving forward, Hans. That's uh, <laughs> nice additional content that we have for the boys down there. I well, love it. I'm, I'm, a motivated Harden. He was a motivated Harden last year. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he got Joel Embiid, the MVP, and and he led the league in assists. That was that's what a motivated Harden looks like. And he won two games against Boston without Embiid. Like you know, I thought Harden on balance acquitted himself pretty well. Dream. Yeah, I, I want to give James Harden some credit because this is a guy who took less money to br- for the Sixers to be able to bring in PJ Tucker. He changed his role. This is a guy who's played that heliocentric style of basketball his entire career in Houston and in parts of Brooklyn when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't play. And he came to Philadelphia and he was a model citizen. He took less money. He decided that I'm going to play second fiddle to Joel Embiid. So I can understand why he's saying, look, I took care of you guys. I won two games in the Eastern Conference Finals and you guys still aren't going to give me a big contract. I get it. Wow. Okay. So well, you don't think, let me ask you this, Raheem. Is there any way they sing Kumbaya, the Sixers and Harden, or you think that ship has sailed? Um, I think that ship has sailed just because Harden, he took, he did so many sacrifices and he's still not getting his big deal. Like this is his last big deal on the table. So if I was Harden, I'd be frustrated too, especially knowing when you look at Joel Embiid, he was the MVP, but he did not play well in the postseason. So, like, I, I just don't, I don't see any way that, you know, this, this is going to end well. I can see James Harden going into the season with the Sixers, but I think eventually he's gone. Yeah, and you, and you know, JJ, the good people of Philadelphia, once they turn on a player, it's they, over. They, they, they let them know. <laughs> they let them know. So they might, you know, honestly, uh, they should be on that Philly talk radio on WIP talking about a. You know, let's root for James in these first for the first month. Let's be James Harden fans in October and November so we get Max return. Let's prop up James. That's that would be the smart move, right? Have motivated James show up. The team support the fans support him, and then get him 
gone. The one thing I will say, speaking of get going, going, gone, is the price on Miami to win the NBA title. Going, going, gone, baby. (laughs) Going, going, gone. We we we, got in a good number. We talked about it for consecutive weeks here on East Coast Bias. If you ain't listening, then you missing. So please try and pay attention to your opportunity to maximize your value out there, my betting buddies. And we appreciate that, Joe House. And that's why I already have tickets on the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers to go and win next year's title. And oh, I hopped in on Denver because I felt like I needed to. Even though, Raheem, I don't like taking favorites. When we talked about it that day, right? I think it was either before game five of the finals or maybe it was like right after. I said, I got I to hop on on this. Like, I, I feel like I'm going to have serious FOMO if I don't join the party. So I might have gotten a little peer pressured into a lower price. But hey, I probably got a better price than I would have gotten. So uh, I guess thank you for that, Raheem. No doubt. I mean, it was our last pick for the 100. So hopefully we can cash that and have an even greater return for the 100 where we were up like 10 units or so. So uh, the <laughs> only thing I will tell you is if Denver gets off to like a 10 and 10 start and all of a sudden their number goes to like 10 to 1 or 12 to 1, then I then I, I might curse you out a little bit. That's all. <laughs> oh, you jump back in. Double down. That's the jump in time right there, JJ. I'm rooting yeah, for that. that. Definitely got to double down. I would love to see that happen. <laughs> Me too. Fair enough. All right, when we come back, um, the Summer League is at Las Vegas. How to bet it? I got to be honest. I have no idea how to bet it. So I, I'm looking for any edge I can get. Apparently, there's somebody in this room who is chatting with us who actually has a strategy on this. I, I didn't know such things even existed, but they do. Summer League strategy with a certain panelist here on East Coast Bias. That's coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. So listen. I ain't going to beat around the bush. I ain't going to sugarcoat it. My interest in Summer League will be minimal. Uh, It'd be great if I were hanging at the Encore and at the win. You know, and maybe I see a game here, a game there. I go play craps with, you know, some NBA types. I maybe go have a couple of cocktails, smoke a cigar with whoever. However, I will not be in Las Vegas, sadly. Uh, I'll be in Seattle with Raheem next week. But, Raheem, you have a strategy that I maybe need to adopt. It is the dog days of July. Not the dog days of August, the dog days of July, and I might be looking for some action. So, how should I be looking to handicap NBA Summer League? Okay, first things first, there are three summer leagues. Obviously, you have the California Classic, which is on the 5th of July. You have the Salt Lake City Summer League, which is on the 5th and the 6th. And you also have the Vegas Summer League, which is between the 7th and the 17th. One of the things that I like to look for first and foremost is that when you look at the rosters of these teams, who are the second-year players? You have a guy like Kenny Lofton Jr., who plays on the Memphis Grizzlies. What we've seen historically Second-year players, they're like men amongst boys. They have that NBA experience. They've already played in a summer year, summer league the year before, and they come into these leagues and they dominate. So I like to look at teams who have those second-year players. In addition, I like to target underdogs. When you look at underdogs since 2016, underdogs on the money line, you could just you could just play those blindly. But if you look at underdogs against the spread, that's two two hundred and fourteen. And 145, 60% against the spread. 
If you target those underdogs on the money line, you're 64 and 68, 48% win percentage. And we all know if you're an underdog getting plus money, you're hitting 48%, you're crushing. Also, I like to look at overs. Overs are really huge because when you look at the end of these games, you have these guys coming in who they don't know how to play NBA defense. So I like to look at overs as well. I think since 2016, you're looking at 131 and 92, almost 60%. So those are some of my strategies. But I think you really want to look at those teams to see who are the second-year guys. Like you look at the Los Angeles Lakers. They have Scottie Pippen Jr. He wasn't great in the actual league, but he played in the summer league last year. And a year of experience, a year of whether you're playing in the, the, the D league or you're just staying on the bench, being a professional it's a game changer. So look at some of those second year teams. So basically, House, here's what we have to do. We have to go through all these rosters. I actually now have some homework to do over the next couple of days. So thanks, Raheem. I, I appreciate this. I didn't want to have to do homework ever again in my life, but here we are. I'm doing homework. I want to scour rosters with second year players. And House, it just seems like if we blindly bet underdogs and we blindly bet overs, if we do it in enough quantity, that maybe it will lead to quality results. I mean, it seems like a plan, dude. Uh, I'm not going to blindly bet anything, but I do like having <laughs> I uh, a, a little bit of, of a lean. And obviously we're not betting in quantities and in, 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 you know, denominations that, that have many zeros behind them, uh, JJ. But I'm looking at the Wednesday schedule and the Thursday schedule and I'm trying to, to like pinpoint some team. Now, Charlotte makes some sense to me um, because you expect that we're going to get uh, a little bit of Brandon Miller and, and maybe that showcase, you know, of him. They will not want him to they won't want to try and embarrass him. Um, so maybe that's a, a, a target. Uh, San Antonio has so many young guys. Obviously, Wemby, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll proceed very cautiously with Wemby. So I don't think we're going to see a ton of minutes with Wemby. But I'm looking for, like, you know, Utah has um, a, a lot of young guys. And, and maybe Utah would be a, a, a way to, to pick, you know, pick up some, some of this leverage that Dream is talking about. Dream, do you have any teams circled at this stage that fit your description of, and you mentioned a couple guys, but are there any teams as, as you kind of size this up? We are like, yeah, that's a team that I think has enough combination of young players that are trying to make an impact and, you know, let some, some of these new rookies get some run. You have any teams we might eyeball here? Well, I love that you mentioned Utah because they have three first round picks. So those guys are like, I mean, they're going to, they're going to be showcased, but I do like the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they have a couple of guys who I think they can change the game. So I'm looking at the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're, they're one of the teams that really stand out for me. Okay, Raheem, out of curiosity, as someone that has handicapped the Summer League in the past, I have not, full disclosure, uh, how many of these games realistically do you think you'll get involved in? 50%, 30%, 70%? What's your, what's your usual handle with Summer League? Um, I think last year was the first year I really like took Summer League serious. So, I mean, I was like, actually, like I was live betting summer league games because the one thing about summer league is that you'll notice that they'll take certain guys out and you'll see a huge disparity between the benches. So once you learn the benches, you, you, you pretty much figure everything out. Like you look at the New York Knicks last year, New York Knicks. I mean, they had like young guys 
who were actually in the league coming off the bench. And you saw they made it all the way to the Summer League Championship. They end up losing to the Portland Trailblazers. So I think if you watch the Summer League games, you can find huge edges in the live markets because you, you'll have certain teams who just they're, they're playing teams with way less experience. So I don't I can't really put a percentage on how much I'll have a handle on it, but I'll definitely hand, have a handle on some of these games. All right, boys, when we come back, I think the best thing I saw over the course of the weekend, without a doubt, in golf. What what a crazy finish and what a win for one of the guys that kind of was petitioned to be one of the big stars of golf. He's fallen on some hard times over the last couple of years, but he's bounced back and he's bounced back in a big way. Got some thoughts on what I saw at Rocket Mortgage and we'll have Mr. Fairway rolling. I'm sure he's got some thoughts. That's coming up next. So, House, we talked about this last week. Ricky Fowler's playing great. I may have thrown in a couple of bucks on Ricky Fowler to go and win the Rocket Mortgage. I couldn't take him in my pool. I already used him in my pool. And I felt great. Then all of a sudden, I see Morikawa coming on Sunday, and I'm like, geez, this stinks. They're going to a playoff. I'm not going to have my guy go and win. For Ricky to go and force the playoff with the unbelievable chip, then to go and do it again in the playoff. House, he's been playing out of his freaking mind all year, man. I lo- You know, that's the thing about golf. Normally, you have these guys, they get hyped up. They get kind of put on this certain pedestal. Then they kind of can fade away when other guys surpass them. You know, people wonder, all right, has the time, quote unquote, passed so-and-so by to see Ricky Fowler come back and put together this sort of year? I know he hasn't won a major. But House, he's had an incredible, incredible season. Happy to see him win for the first time in a long time. Yeah, you loved it. Everybody loved it, except for folks that were trying to find it on regular TV because they were only streaming it. They pushed up tee times and had them play as threesomes. And so they were only streaming it live. Uh, and so, you you know, they have a multitude of streaming platforms. Uh, but that's another conversation for another show that I'm going to go on and complain about. Loudly, it, he is one of the very most popular, most recognizable players. He made a point of going down to the Olympics in Brazil when other players were like, ah, we don't want to go down there. They were claiming that they were worried about the Zika virus, all kinds of nonsense. This is what you get out of professional golf. But one other thing that you get out of professional golf, which is a positive, is a, a very robust um, data analytics market. So you could see da- Ricky Ricky Fowler has been one of the top six players across the board since the beginning of this year. Now, you wouldn't say you look at Scotty Scheffler, you look at John Rahm, you look at Rory McIlroy. You wouldn't, based on his performance of the past four years, have him in that category, that caliber of player. It feels like the American sporting public, you know, had Ricky jump into their consciousness when he was at the top of the leaderboard of the U.S. Open. That makes sense. But he had quietly been putting together a very good schedule, a lot of top tens, a lot of very high marks in, you know, his ball striking, in 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 his his uh, competitive, uh, the, the, the measurement is strokes gained. He was strokes gained, you know, positive in, in ball striking and off the tee. So against his peers, he was really putting together a good season. I, in full disclosure, bet Colin Morikawa when I woke up Sunday morning because he was sitting there at thirteen to one. And then I was going to say, what you get, what you get that at? 
13 to 1. one. And that, that's now, the reason I bet it. It's like, did, I, were you able to, when they went to the playoff, were you able to get involved? I didn't, I didn't live bet anything. I just let it ride. Um, okay. And it was kind of fine. I didn't mind losing because it, 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 it was Ricky. I'm, I, I was rooting for Ricky. I wanted Ricky to win. Um, and I felt, you know, f- good enough. It wasn't a big increment that I had on, on Morikawa. But, you know, Ricky in, in, in his post round interview, showed us, you know, he's comfortable with where he is in his life. He had his daughter for the for the interview, right? His his little baby daughter is in his arms. His wife was was right right over his shoulder. He he's just cool in life and he found, you know, some of that magic. He went back to working with a swing coach Butch Harmon, the famous Butch Harmon who worked with Tiger at one point and has worked with many of of the very 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 best. And they found something together and Ricky's putting it to work. And uh, the American golfing uh, community, all of us uh, fans of golf, are are all all the beneficiaries of it. JJ, House, would you say within the next three years, Ricky Fowler will finally break through and win a major? Um, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I can't come up with a reason to say no. So I'll say yes. Why not? I mean, he was certainly there at the U.S. Open. He's played well in the Open Championship in the past, which is you know the the British Open. Coming up here uh, in a few weeks, we'll have a, a conversation about that one here on East Coast Bias because I will have some thoughts. I will have some uh, perspectives. But yeah, why not? Um, he, he Again, the, the ball striking has been outstanding. He showed it to us by birdieing the 18th hole consecutive times to win this golf tournament. And the birdie from in, in the playoff from the from the the messy you know thatchy rough that had been trampled down, but still an unpredictable lie, an extru an exquisite shot to fourteen feet. The dude can strike the golf ball, and and you know so 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 game on with Ricky Fowler, JJ. And I guess nobody playing this week at John Deere, right? Because they're making their way across the pond. There are you know a few no- notables. Cameron Young is in search of of a golf game. Um, he's he's yeah, dude, one of the lowest prices. Him? What it's happened to say. Was- he was playing so well early in the year. I was like, this guy is going to break through. I remember, I think he was on one of our guys for the Masters, if I'm not mistaken. And he is just falling off a cliff house. Yeah, he, he was really popular for the PGA Championship because of it, the Northeast locale. They played up there at Oak Hill outside of Rochester, New York. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him. He's down in a, in a lot of the uh, categories. His ball striking has abandoned him. Um, and so I, you know, it, it, golf is mysterious and who knows if there's anything going on with him personally, he's a very young guy. So there's still plenty of opportunity for him to find it. But, um, this week we're at the John Deere, the TPC, um, deer run. And there, there are a handful of like second tier guys that, that are looking to break through. There's a young stud Ludberg Ludwig Aberg who showed up, uh, he was the number one amateur has jumped over and he, he was, you know, near the lead in, in the uh, event in Detroit this past week. A lot of people like him potentially, um, at the, at, at, at the John Deere and then, um, a couple of journeymen, Adam Shank and, and Eric Cole, Eric Cole is more of a journeyman than Adam Shank. Adam Shank's kind of a young talent coming up, but those are guys that the uh, golf uh, commentariat are looking at um, this week. When we come back, we'll set the stage next week. Raheem and I are going to be making our way to Seattle for All-Star Weekend in Major League Baseball. There will be a home run derby. There will be a game. But for the time being, you're going to the end of the first half. I think you can make the argument both of these MVP races 
Assuming there are no injuries, are signed, sealed, and delivered. All right, we'll wrap up East Coast Bias next. So we're getting ready for the final week of the first half of the Major League Baseball season. And if you look at the odds to win the World Series as we speak, the Braves, the favorites, as they should be with the way they have played, they're a plus 360. Tampa Bay is at plus 420. Tremendous first half. But questions about the Rays and whether or not they can win in October. Dodgers at 480. And then there is a massive drop-off. You got Texas at 10 to 1. You got the Astros at 10 to 1. That Yankee number has come down a little bit. It was at 20 last week. It's now at 15 to 1. And then you got some crazy odds. Toronto at 25 to 1. Arizona at 25 to 1. Giants, Twins, Orioles, all at 30 to 1. Padres, who are eight under, they're at 40 to 1. And Remember how you asked me about the Mets? I did. And whether or not 35 or 40 to 1 was a good number. <laughs> Take a guess at what the Met number is to win the World Series. Is it 60 now? No, not high enough. Raheem? <laughs> it's got to be. Damn, what is it? <laughs> the Mets on July 4th extravaganza week are 100 to 1. To win the World Series. Think about that for a minute. 100 to 1. This is a team that would, and I know they just won two out of three against the Giants. Who freaking cares? They were, how's, they were like 10 to 1 at the beginning of the year, dude. Well, the, the assembly of talent, the investment, buck in charge. I mean, there was, you know, plenty of reason. Verlander and, and Scherzer, why not? Uh, Raheem, out of curiosity, Baltimore and Philly. Orioles in an open American League, young team, talented team, 30 to 1. Phillies, last year we know what happened. They're 35 to 1. Is there any way I should maybe think about an investment in either one of those two teams? I like Philly. Uh, of and course I, you do. Know. <laughs> and I, I, it's, it's not me just being biased. I, I just think the National League is a little bit weaker. And you look at them. They're one and a half games out of the wild card spot, and they haven't been healthy. And I think that says a lot about this team. Now, obviously, Baltimore, they already have their, I mean, they're not locked up, but they're already in the wild card if the playoffs had started today. But I think Philadelphia can really make a run and get hot again. So I would be leaning towards them. House, I'm telling you, I think the Orioles are live, dude. Because if you're telling me you don't buy Tampa, and I know Texas just traded for Rualdis Chapman, I live through a world this Chapman. If you think he's saving games in the postseason, you got another thing coming. That guy is just uh, lighting gasoline onto the fire. Mark my words. He will blow a monster save for the Texas Rangers, and I will be here for it. I'll have the feet up, and I'll be laughing my ass off. That said, that Oriole team, if they had a pitcher or two, their lineup is really good house. I might do it, man. I'm very conflicted because the Nationals are horrendous and are going to be horrendous for the foreseeable future. They won the World Series and then immediately hit the the uh, blow up button. And the Orioles still have the Angelos family in charge. I swore off the Orioles in 1997 based on the Angelos family and and what they did to the Oriole way. There used to be a tradition in Baltimore in in the 60s and 70s and 80s uh, of the Oriole way, and the Angelos family came in and took a dump all over it. So I, I do still keep an eye on the American League, on the Baltimore Orioles. 
and their fortunes. So I'll root for them, you know, kind of uh, passively, but I can't get super invested until the Angelos is out of the picture. I'm sorry about that. JJ. I can understand that. Listen, I totally get that. And that's why there are a lot of fans like you who are in the Beltway area that made their way to the Washington Nationals. Simple as that. Um, the MVP races, guys, by the way, assuming there are no injuries, they are over. Raheem, it's over. Otani is winning it in the American League unless he gets hurt. And in the National League, Acuna's winning it. He's going gonna, gonna to steal 80 bases and hit 40 home runs. And the Braves are a zillion games up on whoever in the National League East. The only way those guys are not winning awards is if they get hurt. Simple as that. Sorry. Spoiler alert, Raheem. The MVP races are over, barring injury. Yeah, that's completely over. And, you know, I thought Aaron Judge had a, a chance because it felt like the Yankee l- lineup, whatever they scored was what Aaron Judge did. But Otani is just having such a monster season. I mean, this guy had 31 home runs. I mean, you can't get this guy out. And then, like, he's pitching too. Like, it's like, could you imagine if you had to deal with Patrick Mahomes rushing off the edge like Von Miller? That's what Otani is doing right now. And Ronald Acuna, I I just love this guy. I mean, he just plays with a certain swag. He has like 39 stolen bases. He's just absolutely unreal. He's hitting the gritty. He's hitting the LeBron dance. So yeah, these these races are over. And it's it's crazy because you have a guy in the National League who's almost hitting 400. And he's got no chance of winning the MVP. Boys, I look forward to getting you involved in a little home run derby draft. We're going to have a little fun with that next week. Uh, it's random. We're going to invest some shekels in it. And we're going to have a ton of fun. And I look forward to seeing you, Mr. Palmer, out in Seattle, I might take you to the original Starbucks. I might see you throw the fish down at Pike Place. And hopefully we're going to clean up on the All-Star game and the festivities and all that fun. So oh, speak, uh, Speaking of clean it up, how about my Cincinnati Reds right now? Bro, give credit where credit is due. I'm telling you, the Cardinals are going to challenge them in the second half of the year. That's the I team. The it. Brewers, not a threat. The Pirates, not a threat. I just saw the Cardinals take two or three from the Yankees. And they could score. They just can't get anybody out. That'll be a two-horse race between the Reds and the Cardinals. Before we go, we got to talk about the Dodgers because they're really lacking pitching. I know you gave out the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's and right. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to think that the Diamondbacks could put it together because this Dodgers pitching you, staff is just not good at all. Buckle up. That Diamondback 450 to win the division is looking juicier by the moment. For Mike Wargon, Wargon Warrior, appreciate you. Raheem, House, JJ signing off. Back next week on FanDuel TV and the Ring of Gambling Show. All sorts of home run derby and all-star game stuff coming up next week. Boys are out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN-INDIANA, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelpLineMA or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.